very loud, is it? Too loud? No? Okay. So, uh, before I begin, I, what I'd like to do in this session is to... Uh, okay. So they want it to quieter. So, uh, is to talk about another aspect of this uh, mystery of Christ that we've been dancing around, and I'd like to look at the uh, dimension of friendship that we discover as we approach the horizon and enter into the mystery. Um, but I'd like, before I, kind of related to that in a way, in a practical uh, relationship to it, I'd like to ask uh, Father John McKenna to speak. He has to leave to get to his church for 6.30 Mass today. So um, I asked him if he would say a few words about his work, and he has a video that he's just, a DVD he's just made, with introducing meditation <coughs> to children. And um, the relevance of this will become clearer, I think, uh, later in, the, in, the, in this session. But it's very evident from all the experience of teachers who bring meditation into the classroom that the children become nicer to each other. There's less bullying, less, you know, less of the wrong kind of competitiveness and they become better friends. So um, that's why, John, could you share what you've been doing with, with us? Good afternoon, everyone. Enjoy the sun bathing out there. I love the stretch exercises. The, um, I must confess that I dropped the glasses several times. So, uh, just to encourage you to, uh, not to not to give up praying for your your local priests and also for your your, your teachers as well because it's it's worth carrying on intercession praying for them lifting them up uh, that they may support Christian meditation. The uh, uh, my church is uh, is in uh, High Barnet, North London, not too far away. And uh, a few years ago, we went into the primary school, and the Diocese of Westminster very uh, generously paid for a, um, a video, a DVD, of our primary school. It was year, year five and six. And um, some, some wonderful footage here on children really engaging with Christ, learning how to, how to pray, how to Christian meditation. One of the greatest gifts, isn't it? If they can discover... That the spirit lives within them at that age is an incredible investment, incredible journey the rest of their lives uh, and that's year five and six we have a parents uh, the mums and dads come into the staff room on uh, Wednesday morning in the school every week the school supports us and also in the secondary school as well in Finchley Secondary School and just, just on a personal note uh, Christian meditation has really, has really enriched my own uh, priesthood. I was saying that um, our presbytery has been transformed by uh, another priest and a friend. Three of us uh, twice a week meet and we have um, meditation in, in, the, in the lounge in the house. And it's really changed the, uh, the environment of, the, uh, of, of our house, our living conditions. So it's just simply that really. Just uh, don't give up on... Uh, Continue praying, you know, for, for your local priests, your clergy, and teachers as well. It's tough in schools. This can be a real gift for young people.
Thank you, John. So, uh, what I'd like to do is uh, take us a little bit more around that great mystery of Christ that we see on the horizon, full of compassion, full of prophetic uh, intensity in the face of injustice, but above all, I think, uh, welcoming us into his own light and love. I met uh, a man some years ago who had had a near-death experience, and he uh, was, has survived, obviously, and he was then struggling, although free from the fear of death, which is quite a major transformation, but no more fear of death, because when he saw the light at the end of the tunnel, he was filled with uh, joy and peace, and presumably he was thrashing around, he was drowning, and he was presumably thrashing around, desperately trying to breathe, uh, but inter interiorly he was, uh, he was uh, totally at peace and just focused upon this warm and welcoming light at the horizon of his, of his consciousness and of his identity and uh, feeling it was welcoming him. But then, of course, uh, he came back, uh, but he came back with the feeling, uh, with the certainty, really, that he had a work to do. And he wasn't sure exactly what kind of work he had to do, he had to find it, so we all do. But he, uh, he told me that while he was uh, thrashing around peacefully, he saw his life pass before him. And in particular, he noticed all the opportunities that he had missed in his life. He was a rather indecisive person, I think, and he uh, clearly had missed a few. And I said to him, did you see this, the, all these things chronologically? And he said, well, kind of. But he said, the important thing was, was that I didn't feel any guilt or fear in relation to my sense of failure. So he could see that he'd missed out on things, but it wasn't associated with any shame or guilt or fear. And then he said, and the light was not judging me. So it was a wonderful insight into the real meaning of the last judgment. So forget all those terrible frescoes of, <laughs> you know, Christ up there slashing his enemies and pushing them all down to hell. Uh, th that isn't apparently what it is like, if you hadn't guessed it before. So I think uh, as, we, as we, are, we become clearer through our spiritual journey, through our joyful and willing acceptance of our asceticism, uh, as we clarify our minds so that we can see in faith uh, the one whom we will become like because we see him as he truly is. In other words, as we enter into a deeper union with Christ, we become more Christ-like. So as that happens, I think we become aware of the meaning of friendship. The idea of friendship is central to the meaning of human, of humanity. In Christian faith, our human capacity for friendship is central to, our, to the commandment of love. It expands 
from the easy and instinctive relationship we have within a family. It's easy to be friends uh, with, with, our, with those who love us and care for us. A little girl at school, at school once told me, I said, you meditate at home sometimes. And she says, yes, I meditate at home. I said, when? And she said, whenever I have a fight with my sister. <laughs> Very interesting, isn't it? So she knew when she had had a fight with her sister that she was out of friendship, out of harmony, and she didn't like it. So she wanted to get back into that uh, good feeling, good, good relationship. So she just knew meditation would, would put her back. So uh, we begin by learning uh, about friendship, about love, uh, through our, hopefully, through our families and through our close, closer relationships. But then, as this expands, the horizon recedes, but we come closer to the horizon at the same time. The recognition happens that we are actually friends with everyone. Who are we not friends with? Are there those who we would refuse friendship to? There might be those who we, we cannot yet extend friendship because prejudice, because of hatred, because of fear, because we've been hurt. But there is no one that we could say in the gospel vision that we could not be friends with. We must love our enemies. So we, we evolve into a recognition of a friend, a potential friend anyway, in everyone we meet, whether they are natural friends or foes. We, could, we have to see them, and we do come to see them. The closer we, enter, we move towards the horizon and enter into the mystery of Christ, one of the things that changes is our perception of others because of the way we are changing within ourselves. And the ultimate expansion of this capacity for human friendship is God, who shines on good and bad alike and uh, sees the essential goodness in everything, in everyone. So human development is essentially our expansion to see all we meet and the universe itself as friendly. Remember that was one of the last things that Einstein, uh, Albert Einstein said uh, in the nuclear age, we have to ask ourselves, is the universe friendly or not? And this is absurd, of course. This is nonsense. This is ridiculous. Folly to the worldly wise. You cannot be friends with everyone. Look at politics. Look at uh, geopolitical uh, alliances. Uh, look at uh, the competitiveness uh, in the career structure of our companies and corporations. Look at sibling rivalry. So logically, at, in one perspective, uh, this vision of universal friendship is simply pure idealism, pure nonsense. But it is truth to those who approach the horizon, who are coming closer to that mystery and entering that mystery of Christ. So friendship, for, for good reason, is one of the first things that human beings began to think about when they began to think. The early philosophers and the first Christian thinkers 
gave a lot of attention to the meaning of friendship. How friendship began, how it is developed, what it means. And I think it's a way today for us to understand God in a postmodern, post-Christendom world. In both friendship and in meditation, we grow in self-knowledge. In meditation, we grow in self-knowledge, perhaps because we become friends with ourselves. That in those internal divisions and conflicts that St. Paul speaks about in uh, the letter to the Romans, what I want to do, I do not do, what I do not want to do, that is what I find myself doing. I mean, that's a pretty good definition of being in conflict, out of friendship with ourselves. And meditation doesn't make us perfect, but it does make us more friendly. Friendship is more important than organization. Friendship is more important than um, <clears throat> being morally perfect. So in both friendship and meditation, perhaps because they are very much the same dynamic, we grow in self-knowledge through the work of unconditional self-acceptance and the acceptance of the other. I mean, in a, with a good friend, you see their faults and they, you know that they see your faults. And sometimes they may irritate you. Sometimes they may let you down in small ways. But there's a fundamental acceptance so that even when circumstances test the friendship, you grow in deeper friendship by learning to accept the other person even when they totally <laughs> annoy you. And that relationship and this marriage in that sense is, certainly becomes a, a, a friendship uh, over time. No greater love, there is no greater love than to lay down your life for your friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. A servant does not know what his master is about. I do not call you friends, I do not call you servants anymore, I call you friends. Because I have shared with you everything I have learned from the Father. Because we know what the Master is about, we are no longer servants, we are friends. If you get into a minicab, the minicab driver is not doesn't care why you're going to X, Y, or Z. He doesn't know what you are about. Now, you may have a chat, he may be curious. In Ireland, of course, they immediately want to know where you come from, where you're going, and why you're going there. <laughs> and is there any possibility that you share some cousins uh, in your family? <laughs> in England, uh, well, except with Afghani drivers or Pakistani drivers, they're much more, usually much more open much more uh, talkative. But generally speaking, in, a, uh, in that kind of situation, we don't expect people who are serving us or giving us a service, we don't expect them to know what we are about or why we're doing it. But as soon as we begin to share what we are about and what we have learned, then 
friendship begins to develop. Remember, we have the potential to be friends with everyone and with the cosmos. I've called you friends because I have disclosed to you everything I have learned from my father. You did not choose me, I chose you. And I appointed you to go out and bear fruit that will last. This is my commandment, love one another. When I uh, started to get serious about meditation some years after I had learned about it, I asked uh, Father John, who had just started uh, a little lay community at his monastery in, in London, Ealing, if I could come and uh, join it and spend a, make an extended retreat there. And uh, he was a little uh, uncertain about whether I'd be able to do it. And uh, so was I. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I, I, I did, and I stayed, of course. That it was a time of, uh, of intense self-knowledge, growing in self-knowledge. Not an easy time, but the self-knowledge made it worthwhile. And what made it possible to go through the difficult uh, stages of self-knowledge is, of course, the feeling of acceptance. That you are accepted as you are, that there, is, there are friends around you. And that's why John Mayne believed so passionately and clearly and intelligently and rightly that meditation creates community and the community is necessary for us to, to continue on that journey towards the ultimate horizon into the mystery of Christ. In order to persevere, we need that simple friendship, more important than any organization or efficiency. There needs to be this, this element of friendship. And what inspired me, and still does inspire me, was uh, a conversation I had, or many conversations, I suppose, uh, during that period of my life with him, about his vision of a community of love. And it seemed to me then, and does now, in slightly different ways, but essentially the same, that this is our most important work, really, to build communities of love. This is what the world needs. It doesn't need more management consultants. Sorry if there are any management consultants here. Uh, it doesn't need more computer programs or more social media. All of these are useful and good in their own way, of course. But what we desperately need now is the, uh, are these human, person-oriented, spiritually alive communities of love. How many of you go to a meditation group regularly? Fantastic. So you know what I'm talking about. And every one of those classes that Father McKenna is introducing meditation to becomes in its own way a community of love. And the world community is, is, a, is an example of that. 
It's not perfect, of course, and it's, you know, it could always be managed better. Susan does her best. Um, but it, 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 it's, it, it survives and it grows through its failures and through its faults and its ups and downs. It grows, I think, in the spirit of love. And I've seen in many parts of the world, national communities form. They start off with great enthusiasm. And, and then at a certain stage in their evolution, they will often go through a very difficult crisis. It could be a personality crisis. It could be that somebody wants to hang on to something, doesn't want to let go, doesn't want it to grow, doesn't want it to grow because it means they'd have to let go of it. All sorts of human reasons why a conflict situation might develop. And sometimes it can be very painful. But what I've also seen, and it's blessed me to be able to see it, and to be part of it, is to see that that if sufficient, if people are faithful, and they usually are, then, and they stay with it, well, they come back a few years later, is that going through those dark nights and those, tur those periods of turbulence where friendship itself is being is being really uh, tested to its great ultimate degree. And it may seem that those who were friends once are now friends no longer. But as they go through that, so the love deepens. And they emerge at some point. Uh, and to me, it's always a miraculous, uh, something really worth celebrating. Uh, they emerge deeper, wiser, gentler people who are aware of this, that they have gone through maybe a bit of a black hole, but they have emerged into this deeper, into the mystery of Christ. They've gone through the event horizon, and the past is the past, and they move on. Friendship grows out of our spiritual journey. It's a relationship of total truth and transparency, as Jesus presents it. I have shared with you everything, everything I have learned from my Father. The source of my very being is yours. There was a story, uh, I think it was from career or some martial arts uh, story, about a teacher, it was martial arts, uh, and he um, was a great, uh, great master, and he had many students, but he would always hold 10% back from his students, in case his students be became as good or better than him, <laughs> and then they could beat him. So. Okay, that's only 10% he held back. But how much did they receive? 90%. So then, they uh, become masters, teachers themselves, and they have absorbed this model of teaching, and so they hold 10% back 
how much do they pass on? You see, how much is it? Yes, 81%, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, we won't test our maths anymore. So, at what point, so with every generation of transmission, what is passed on reduces by 10%. Like the value of the pound. So, uh, so what? Uh, how long will it take before there's nothing to pass on? Ten years. What? Ah, yes. You, you, are you a statistician? Yeah. yeah, there'll always be something. It's like the turtle and the what is it? The hare. The hair of the tortoise, sorry. So uh, always be, you're, you're always be halving it. So there'll always be an England. You know, they'll, they'll <laughs> <laughs> whatever's left of it. There'll, there'll always be a little bit to pass on. And the institution passing it on may get bigger and bigger. But what's being passed on becomes less and less. That's... that's uh, that is why we need this mystical dimension. This is why we need to see our church and our communities as communities of friendship, communities of love. So this is, uh, this is I think, what we are discovering by meditating and we discover the community aspect of it and we have then, we, you know, we, community is challenging we have to give something of ourselves a little bit more each time rather than a little bit less. And you experience this if you're starting a meditation group. You are giving everything that you have to the people who come. And even if they don't come, you still give it to them. Or it's still there on offer. So this is the dynamic, I think, of, that, of this journey. And it, it takes us into the heart of the asceticism, the leaving of self behind, the laying down of our life for our friends. Because if we give everything we are, everything we have learned, then we are, that is what I think laying down our lives means. So, then community itself uh, grows. And uh, it grows in mysterious ways. And often it doesn't grow as you, as you expected entirely, and there are plans you make and the plans don't work out, but something else happens to show that that life of the spirit is still present. Well, for many years, we were, uh, we are, uh, we, we, we were thinking about a center, a physical home for the, our community. And I say we were thinking about it and we, because we never actually went looking for it. But on quite a few occasions we were approached by people who had beautiful properties and of asked us if we would be interested. I don't know how many, Susan, we, we went through. but And of course we said, you know, we, we looked into it, we discussed it, we said yes, that would be wonderful. And for one reason or another, things didn't work out, not because of us, but usually because of them. In any case, this, this, this seed continued 
to, to return and to grow. And then in more recent times, as we approached last year, which was the 25th anniversary of the naming, the founding of the World Community for Christian Meditation at the John Main Seminar with Bede Griffiths in, in the New Harmony, Indiana, gave us the book, um, what is it? Huh? The New Creation in Christ by, by Bede Griffiths. Have you, how many of you have read that? You should all read it. The New Creation in Christ. Beautiful book. Uh, B. Griffiths wanted to speak about John Main and community. So, um, and actually the, 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 his talks are, are, are up, up on YouTube as well. So, we, uh, we started to think about it more. I talked about it with national coordinators. I talked about it with our guiding board. It's a group of 18 meditators from around the world who meet once or twice a year to discuss the, the vision and the priorities and you know, the main goals of the community. With our executive committee, which is a group of uh, six or so people uh, who put the first stage of putting that uh, vision into, uh, into practice. With the trustees, who are a group of people who take responsibility for the financial and legal affairs of the community for the trust here based in England. National communities are autonomous uh, financially. Um, and uh, we discussed it uh, with our group of directors. We have six uh, directors, uh, meditators, who are responsible for different aspects of the community's life. I meet with them online once a month. We have great fun, we have great, great, uh, great meetings and had one night before last. And uh, they take care of things like the IT, the website, the communications, special projects, um, the school of meditation, and so on. What? Liaison. And liaison, yes, very important, liaison with the national communities and, uh, and the schedule. So, uh, and recently we have just appointed um, uh, two um, associate directors, uh, one on my right, one on my left. Uh, one is uh, Leonardo Correa, our Director of Communications from Brazil, and the other is Selena Chan, who is our National Coordinator from China. She lives in Hong Kong. So we have a very, you know, solid and good uh, uh, group of, of leaders, uh, skilled in, you know, in, in worldly ways and in theological ways. And we've recently also established a group of uh, young contemplative teachers within the community, five very bright, deep, and thoughtful individuals. Uh, Sarah Bachelard is one of them. You may have read her, some of her writings. Uh, and we'll be meeting in uh, the John Main Seminar in Texas um, for further discussions and for discussions also with um, a similar group of uh, young contemplative teachers and scholars uh, from Centering Prayer uh, and Richard Raw's um, Center for Action and Contemplation and uh, um, Tilden Edwards' um, group in, uh, in Washington, Shalem Institute. So 
So this, you know, this is very much, uh, you know, a group of future leaders and teachers in our community and forming part of a contemplative network uh, with other sister-friendly groups. There is no competition in the contemplative life. We once had a group of business friends came together and wanted to help us to plan for the future, so they had one of these sort of, uh, what do they call them, thought leadership days. And one of the forms we had to fill out was, who are your main competitors? <laughs> so I was told, you know, you have to fill out this form. I said, well, I had to, could only say, we don't have any competitors. If we meet somebody, some group that is doing better than we are, we learn from them. If we have something that we can share with them, that they would find useful, we willingly give it to them. And um, I think the CEOs or chairman of boards that we were talking with, I think they got the point, but it was a little out of their culture to see it in that way. So anyway, I think you can see that we have a, a, a very richly varied and committed group of meditators around the world who are uh, committed in friendship uh, to sharing their gifts uh, for the mission of the community to share the gift of meditation. And it was uh, with, this, with these various groups that we discussed the idea of a center and the response over a period of time was very positive. And at the meeting of national coordinators last year, we uh, presented to the 62 national coordinators um, in the, uh, around the world. There are meditation groups in more than 100 countries, but 62 of them have a national coordinator, not the UK yet, but uh, for the time being. Um, but we, uh, so we met together, and there, were, there was, uh, the UK was nicely represented there, and we discussed this. And there was a, a, a very positive, very warm response. Good questioning, some good, some good questions. Why do we need a center if we're a monastery without walls? Precisely because we want that monastery of walls to continue to grow. And we are all approaching a certain horizon. So we want to make sure there is continuity and succession. And I think I've already told you enough to realize there is, you know, we're very conscious of that. Um, but a center of the kind that I'm going to describe to you now and show you now, the Bombo, is uh, precisely there to, in, to, 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 to provide the, the center of friendship of a community of love that is as varied and as multifaceted as, as we are. So why did we, why did we end up in uh, Bombeau? Uh, partly because the French um, community, the French national community, has for some time been looking, talking about, and looking for a property where they could have a French Christian meditation community. So we spoke with them about it, and actually next week we're going, 
on Monday, I'm going down to Bombone and be meeting with some of those French meditators who are interested in forming, uh, coming to live at Bombo. So that was one reason. The other reason was it's cheaper, <laughs> much cheaper. And there is a lot of property in France and some very beautiful uh, properties in the country at, uh, relatively speaking, very reasonable prices. Is this to propagate a new leadership, a new beginning? Yes, well, it, it will. One of its... Uh, I, I'll show this now. Uh, I'll answer that, I think, in the course when I show you the, the pictures. Uh, it, yes, it, it will be partly a place where we can uh, receive uh, individual meditators from around the world and we can also uh, shape and form the leaders of the future. And, um, uh, and that, so at, at the heart of Bombeau, there will be a core community, which people can come to join for short or longer periods of time. Of course, there will be a retreat house, and it will be a place where we can put on events of the school, School of Meditation, uh, which will help to form, uh, at a personal level, um, the teachers and and leaders of the community in the future. That's a very important aspect of it. Anyway, let's, uh, let's look at some pictures. Could... Oh. Does it work? Yes. And I can see it up there, too. All right, so, Bombo, incarnating the vision, serving the mission of the future. Um, when I, we first went, uh, we, we looked around a few places in France, and when we finally came to drive into Bombeau, um, uh we fell in love with it. Now, all of you here are old enough to remember, or young enough to remember, what it's like to fall in love. So it's a wonderful feeling, but you have to test it. So. We fell in love with it, and we wondered why we fell in love with it. And it is physically very beautiful. It sits in a little valley. Bombo means good valley or little valley. Um, and it sort of sits in a little, floats actually, in a little sort of saucer of a valley. It's very, very beautiful. And, um, but then uh, we discovered that the, the real reason was not just the physical beauty, but the presence, or the spiritual presence, and we discovered that it was a Benedictine monastery from the 12th century. It had been founded as a Benedictine monastery in 1114, and five years later it had, it had uh, joined the Benedictine reform movement of St. Bernard of Clairvaux, that became the Cistercians. And it was therefore a place of contemplation until 1792, uh, some, just after the French revolution. So it, it did feel as if it was waiting for us. <laughs> and uh, we can see why the layout, physical uh, what's the word, layout of the place, has this sense of appro appropriateness, which we'll see later. But just at that spiritual level, it is... Doesn't work. 
You said uh, press enter or enter. Huh? It doesn't work. Okay, oh, wait, I got it. I got it. Oh, that doesn't work either. <laughs> Janet, I'm going to throw your computer on the floor. Oh, here we are. Are you doing it? You're doing it from there? Okay. So, so this is the vision. Uh, on the right-hand side, you'll see the meeting of the national coordinators that took place in the UK last year, 62 of them from all over the world, uh, who all uh, loved the, the vision of Bombeau, many of whom have been down to see it, or some of whom have been down to see it already. And um, we, uh, they also uh, uh, said that they wanted this really to be part of the you know, they wanted all their uh, communities, national communities, to feel part of it. So they came up with the idea of a, of a scholarship fund so that every meditation group around the world will, off, will give uh, towards a scholarship fund which will enable people of limited means from different, you know, poorer parts of the world especially to be able to, to get some help to come to Bombo so that it, it won't be a place just for, you know, those uh, for the well-off. And uh, so that every meditation group is being asked to give a hundred dollars, a universal figure, a universal currency, a hundred dollars. Um, so and that's, uh, that's going, going very well, not quite as fast as we had anticipated, but it, it is steady. steady. On the left-hand side, you'll see uh, part of the cloister, the 12th century cloister, which forms the front of the house, as you'll see it now. Oh, anyway, it doesn't. So, uh, so this is the vision. Meditatio is the outreach of our community. It's been developing for about 10 years. It is a, is a sort of a, a series of programs and meditatio seminars and uh, publications and workshops that en enable us to give a, uh, to take the fruits of contemplation and the contemplative vision of life into the secular world. So that's why I was talking yesterday about our classes for MBA students or into state schools or in, into uh, dialogue with science or the environment or um, uh, bankers and uh, and so on so meditatio will will have a a center there the the barn which you'll see in a minute is a beautiful building uh, will be a, sort of the conference center and a large uh, prayer space as well who will Bonvo welcome? So, so we already have a number of uh, organizations and companies who are very keen to, to come to uh, Bonvo uh, under the, the Meditatio banner and, uh, and for us to guide them or, and to work with them on uh, developing this contemplative uh, approach to these areas of outreach of medicine, business, finance, um, education, and science, and, and so on, and social justice, social, social engagement. Who will Bonvo welcome? Well, it will welcome the individual meditator who wants to come to make a retreat 
will welcome national communities or groups of national communities who want to come and make a pilgrimage. We already have two or three of those signed up for next year. Um, and it will welcome um, uh, a dialogue with other, with other faiths. It will welcome the, the, the pilgrims who, who are walking by on the way on the Camino because it, it's also on the Camino trail to uh, Compostela and uh, uh, and uh, uh, people who are doing school program, school of meditation programs. The next generation of teachers will, will be nourished uh, in that way and uh, the daily life of Bonveau will be centered around the Benedictine rhythm of prayer, work and study as in our Meditatio house in, in London, you may have visited. Uh, so we'll have the, the office, we'll have four periods of meditation a day uh, together, integrated with the, um, with the divine office and mass as we, as we always do. And uh, people who come will be, of course, invited to share in that to share in the life and work of the community and the manual work as well as the intellectual work of the community. Okay? Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so, where is it? It's uh, 20 minutes by car from Poitiers. Uh, there's a, a low-cost airline airport at Poitiers, so you can fly from Stansted. Uh, I think several flights a week or a day actually during the high season and one a day during the winter. Uh, two hours south of Paris on a good road and uh, a little bit uh, north of Bordeaux in case you want to replenish your wine cellar. And you can fly from Corsica. You can fly from Corsica. Why, why are you so excited about that? Oh, your sister lives in Corsica. <laughs> okay, we should have put that on the cover of the book. Yes. <laughs> Jackie's sister lives in Corsica, so she will Okay, so it's, it's, it's really very well located uh, for visiting, for transportation, and yet it, it feels very secluded. Oh, okay. okay, so this is the property. Okay, so uh, as you can see the red line, I um, should have one of those little things, shouldn't I? So on the left, uh, you see the three boxes, chapel, chateau, and barn. So the chapel is a little chapel uh, next to the main house, which was probably where we will have our first meditation space. We, that will be the first thing we want to develop. The chateau is the is the uh, the old monastery, but of course it's been renovated over the years as a uh, private dwelling. But it still has some obvious signs of the monastic uh, origin, and uh, we hope there to start work uh, on the partial renovation of the chateau for the community. Eventually, there will be community and some guests. Uh, there'll be about 25 rooms in the chateau eventually. For a while it will be a little simple, well it will always be simple, but it may be a little rough uh, to begin with, but um, it's habitable. There's an old couple living there at the moment uh, 
who are eager to get out as he is 95. Uh, so we're hoping French bureaucracy will move quickly so we can complete the sale in um, July, but if not, it will be September. Then there's the barn, see underneath that. And then uh, on the top right-hand corner of the hunting lodge, there's, a, there's a, one building there. Uh, on the bottom, you'll see at the entrance to the property, which is... Can you see? So this is the guardhouse. This is the entrance. This is where you drive in. You drive in there. This is the, the main. This is the. Oh, this is the main house. And then just up from there, you'll see better pictures of it in a minute. This is the barn and the stables. And the stables will, will be where the guest house is. And here is the pigsty, <laughs> where our special guests will stay. <laughs> and this is the hunting lodge up there. You know, the, the, these two, the guardhouse and the hunting lodge need a lot of renovation, so that's our, thir our third phase. And then you'll see that quite a lot of the land is, uh, is wooded. This is where the, the couple had to sell off some, some of the woods in order to keep themselves going. So one of our first priorities will be to re replant the trees here. Father so, Lawrence, yes. we, we need to take a photograph of you doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't expect me to smile. <laughs> so it's 160 acres um, and uh, two, two, little, two little rivers flowing through it. And um, uh, nice neighbors as well, but we don't see them very much. <laughs> okay. Okay, see? So, I, the, with, this, this has been blessed from the beginning, which is why it has grown to where we are now. And part of the uh, blessing was, uh, was uh, the offer of a very international firm of architects based in Singapore to provide all their services to us free. So that's a huge, immense, <laughs> immense gift. Um, so in addition to that, I asked them if they could imagine what the original monastery might have looked like. So I sent them some you know, pictures from Google and this, this gives you a little idea of what it might have, what it might have looked like. Uh, so this, this is where the house is now, okay? Yeah. And this is where the little chapel is. And the cloister, uh, he has the cloister there. I think probably the cloister would have actually come out this way. So this is the, this is the stables. This is the barn. This is the piggery. Okay. So, um, We'll move on. Oh yes, Phaser. So the central house will become a residence for the core community and guests. The barn will become the conference centre. Um, we've uh, reached our goal for the purchase price, which is was eight hundred thousand, but with all the other things, getting up to nearly a million. So we've we've got enough to buy it, and we've reached about sixty percent of the first phase, which is two point five million, and. The, uh, 
the, the response and the warmth, the generosity of people. And I, would, and I, would, I must say, particularly from the poorer countries in the world, has been amazing. The first donation came from, uh, from Fiji. Um, and I'll tell you a bit more about that later. So uh, then the stables will be renovated into guest rooms, uh, central kitchen and dining space, and bookshop and meeting rooms and so on. And the 12th century cloister, this is the front of the house, uh, will be renovated. We should be able to get some money from the government for that. So the second phase is another 2.5 million. Doesn't come cheap, but it'd be worth it. So then um, the outbuildings will be developed as additional guest rooms and the gatehouse and the hunting lodge will be renovated and this is all in phase three. The vegetable garden, well that will come earlier in fact, but we, we're going to have a vegetable garden and we also, we hope to have some, uh, so some of the fields there to grow um, healing herbs. Uh, we have a, a friend who's a famous herbalist in Ireland and, and talking with him about uh, our being able to grow his herbs for him. So it would be beautiful to be surrounded by all these healing herbs. And we'll develop uh, an income producing market garden. We've been advised that, um, uh, what is it called? Crocuses. What do the crocuses produce? <laughs> saffron. So we're told that saffron could, could be put some food on the table and also um, uh, something else not truffles no not man mangoes no uh, what do you hazelnuts hazelnuts yes which you use to get Nutella yeah I don't like Nutella but it's very popular Create out outdoor rooms with roses and shrubs so that we can outline the site of the ancient abbey clean and regenerate the lake. Actually, the lake seems quite clean to me, but I suppose as always you can make it cleaner. And reforest the recently felled parts of the woods. So some of these plans are obviously in flux, but uh, basically this is what we're, what we're doing. So, uh, there we are. So, uh, so this is our, our, our goal. Uh, our aim is to raise two and a half million euro for the initial phase of the renovation of the new building. And you can help by giving a one-time donation or with a monthly donation. Some, some of you have already started to do that. The scholarship fund, which the national coordinators are uh, driving. And other ways uh, to help uh, spread the word, publicity, specialized work that you can offer. There are three ways of giving. Uh, your time your talent and your treasure. And um, where your heart is, there your treasure will be. So, it's, uh, to me, I've realized that asking people, so letting people know about this evokes, everywhere I've spoken about it, evokes uh, a very positive response and uh, a spirit of generosity. 
It, it seems to me that if every meditator, everyone in this room gave one pound, that would be, that would be great. If you gave, each of you gave a million pounds, that would be even better. <laughs> it wouldn't be, in one way, it wouldn't be even better. It, to me, honestly, if every meditator in the community gave something, whatever you could afford, if just a loose change in your pocket, it, it means that the, the house is, is it, it belongs to the community. And there's a, it's a, it's a sacrament, it's simply a sacrament, a sign that it is owned and it will be used and it will be owned by the whole community. And I was very moved uh, last year when we received our, our biggest donation yet, it may be our biggest ever, uh, of one million euro from a meditator in Singapore. And the same day, and that got us going, otherwise we wouldn't be where we are. Uh, but the, next, the same day I got a, a note from a group of women prisoners in, in Australia, in a prison in Sydney that I go to. And um, they had read about Bombo and they said that they wanted to be part of it. Now most of them are serving long sentences, like 20 years. So I'm not sure how many of them would be able to come to Bombo, but uh, they know that they feel that it's part of their spiritual family. And that moved me very much, their, their insight into this, and to express that, they, they are speaking to the chaplain and they say they want to give out of the little bit that they earn every week, uh, they want to give $100 over a period of time. So that's how I see the fundraising. I know I'm not, I'm not embarrassed to, to, to speak about, about it because it's, it's what the church means by almsgiving. It's an opportunity and, and not even, you know, it's, it's not only quantity. Quantity, of course, matters because quantity will decide how quickly we can bring this vision to, to its fulfillment. Um, but it's not only quantity. It's really the, the quality of the giving, the cheerfulness of the giving, the spiritual insight that lies behind it and if it's uh, the widow's might, that is worth, you know, in terms of encouragement and, and spiritual support uh, as much as, you know, a, a very big donation. So I leave it, I leave it with you uh, to decide and think about it. On the web page, um, you'll see um, there's a special little page uh, for Bombo and... Um, you probably get the Bombo news every month or so, which just keeps you up to date in what's happening. And just another example of talent being given. Um, as, we, as we're getting closer to the building work starting, it did occur to me that I don't know much about um, um, construction, nor does Andrew Cresswell and his wife, who are, have moved from Wales. I don't know, you probably know Andrew. He was the chair of the UK Trust. So he and his wife last year came up to me very, um, very quietly and said, um, we'd like to come to Bombo. So I said, oh yes, well, well, we'll fix a time. You can come and have a look at it. He said, no, no, we would like to move there. So they've sold their house. He's given up his job of running a National Health Trust in Wales. And they're actually down there now. 
uh, moved into the house of a friend waiting <laughs> to move in as soon as we can take possession of it. So he brings uh, National Health Trust in Wales, was run very well. Uh, so he's, he's bringing his gifts of administration to be a sort of general manager of the whole project. But I could see that we needed a, an engineer. So in Germany, recently I was at the National Retreat and uh, talking to a man who's a young, young guy, really. He told me he's selling his company. And uh, he wanted to change his life, have more time with his family, live a more spiritual life. He said, this is what meditation has done. It changes your life. So I said, uh, what, um, what do you do? Well, you know, what was your company? He said, oh, civil engineering. <laughs> so I said, well, we talked about things for a while and then I said, well, I, I have another option for you. Uh, would you be interested in this? And he had heard about it, of course. So he has now um, taken, given his, his self uh, to, uh, as project manager for the building uh, of Bonville. So we, we met with the architects in London uh, a few days ago. So um, we've, we, and then I'll give you another example of a couple in Singapore who I'm meeting in Bombo on Monday. Um, they came up to me after a meditation group in Singapore and they said, um, oh no, and I, 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 sorry, I spoke about Bombo and the next week they came up to me and they said, could they have a word with me? So I said, yes. So before we uh, say anything, we'd just like you to know that um, we are happily married. <laughs> And uh, we're not going through midlife crisis. They're in their early 40s. And, um, and we're, you know, comfortably, relatively comfortably off. So I said, yes. <laughs> so, so they said, uh, but we have been feeling for some time there's something missing in our life. And then we identified it some time ago as service. We needed to serve in some way but we didn't know what that meant, but that was the best word we had to describe what we felt we needed to do. So they said, when we, we've been talking all week about Bombo, and uh, we are feeling more and more that we would like to offer our way of serving by coming to live there and help you. He's, an, he's also an engineer, she's uh, in business, and uh, they bring you know, particular gifts. So they're coming down and uh, we'll, we'll, they'll see the place and we'll talk more about it. And um, so we have a group of, uh, of meditators now who are eager to come. We've, we've also got uh, very good relationships with the local community. The Archbishop of Poitiers is very welcoming, very warm and friendly about it. Uh, the local Benedictine monks at Ligouge, a very ancient monastery, uh, also very friendly and eager for us to come. Uh, the local mayor uh, and her colleagues in the planning department also very welcoming and want to sort of get us through the bureaucracy very quickly. There are two meditation groups in Poitiers who sort of host us and maybe we meditate with when we're there. So there's a very warm feeling of um, being, uh, being welcomed there. 
So that's, that's Bombo, where we are at the moment. And I'm hoping that uh, by the end of the summer we should, you know, we should be in possession and we should be starting the renovation work, um, bef certainly before the end of the year. So I ask you to, above all, keep it in your heart, keep it in your prayer, and remember it is, it is a home for the whole community. So it's a place I hope um, you will come to, Brexit or no Brexit, uh, we will give special passports to anyone. Uh, it's, we, we hope that you will, will come there and uh, come and be, um, be blessed by it. I'd like to just show you, to complete uh, this uh, little video that uh, Giovanni uh, Felicioni made um, as he describes the three levels of silence that we imagine developing at Bombo. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing how she reads one's mind, isn't it? Because when it goes wrong, I shall uh, cry. Oh. <laughs> Just to show the work of the world community, I didn't know how to get this uh, video off YouTube downloaded, and I needed to do it within an hour, so I phoned somebody in Hong Kong <laughs> who was on a bus. <laughs> he downloaded it from YouTube, sent me the link, and I downloaded it here half an hour ago. So the, the spec we were using um, to organize our search for the meditation center um, essentially said that uh, what we were looking for was a property that would house um, a community of, let's say, 12 people, um, so a contemplative community, and then enough outbuildings or ruins where we would be given permission to develop a conference center for 30, 40 or so people. Um, and we looked at a lot of properties and none of them uh, gave us the feeling that um, these two things would be able to be developed in a way where there was enough space and also where a contemplative life could continue to happen. Um, and then we found Bongo, and as we drove down we were really taken by the beauty of the place. And it was once we had walked around that we, we were able to sense that here we would be able to house the meditation community and up the hill and through the arches of the stable and beyond where the barn is, we would be able to have a conference center. And the large one, in fact, what that would mean um, was that it was immediately clear that the house would be a place of, of silence and uh, contemplative life and that the conference center could at times be very busy, very noisy, people arriving without having to pass the house and uh, unfolding their work. And so we could see that we would literally over time be able to develop uh, an international center where we could have different levels of silence. The silence of the community life, the silence of practice but also discussion and the busyness of conferences, 
And then the community would be able to, within its structure, within the, the main building for the community, would be able to afford the space and holding for people who wanted to make deeper retreat deeper into the silence. And of course there are the woods where we would then be able to develop hermitages. So three levels of silence, let's say, would be able to be held comfortably together um, for the deepening of the life of the members of the community. So Giovanni, uh, many of you know from yoga and uh, retreats or the Monte Oliveto retreats, um, will, it will, will be a very active uh, member of the, um, of the community there. He's, he uh, lives n nearby and um, so he'll, he'll be the, uh, he doesn't know it yet, but he will be the <laughs> director of programs. Uh, he's, he's very very much engaged both in, in the design of the property and in the planning for the programs as well. So there we are. It's a vision to share. Um, it's not... A, I hope it... Uh, we, we can have time tomorrow if, if you'd like to raise any questions or, or just we can talk at dinner about it. Um, and... Uh, but I hope it... Uh, been able to communicate something of its of its beauty, its potential, and of taking us further as a community along our journey and uh, into the future. And uh, as I say, uh, please keep it in your hearts. Thank you.